Welcome, Wildcat fans, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Game Day Show. It is a bright, sunny morning in Ogden, Utah, and so we're going to talk about today's game. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. I want to remind everyone that we are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Um, on the show today, to give you their football insights and the best that money can buy, which in this case is nothing. I didn't pay these guys. <laughs> I've got former Weber State coach Tom Stackrook to talk to us again. Tom, how's it going, man? How was last week? You, you got the dub you were looking for. I know, man. I, You know what? I needed you, man. I needed you on Friday night because you're a Roy graduate, right? Yes, sir. All right. So I know I know you got the answer to this question. Can you get can you get thrown in jail for going to a hotel and pulling a fire alarm? Uh, thrown in jail for it? You probably. Yeah, like I mean, because like like you are a Roy grad, so I know you would know something about this. <laughs> That's some shade. Oh, Roy's not that rough, guys. Come on. Well, the reason um, the reason I ask is it's just tradition. Every time we would go up into Montana, no. Like clockwork, three o'clock in the morning at the hotel, the alarm would always go off. And no, I, was thinking, I was thinking to myself, I need to go. It can't be that hard to find four or five luxury buses at a hotel. There's only like four nice hotels in town. And I was just really close to doing that. But, you know, that's why I wanted to ask you what the, the sentence was before I did that, Kobe. My thing is this. If no one catches you, you can get away with anything. I know there was a playoff game a couple of years ago, Steelers versus Patriots and um, Steelers were staying in some hotel and some drunk fan came drunk fan came in <laughs> and pulled the fire alarm on it like at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. And everyone went out and like, yeah, they there were a bunch of people because it was the Patriots that it was like. Oh, something happened. So <laughs> yeah. oh, dang. Is, my next question is that like had Roy high for the student announcement, student announcements in the morning. Is that what they start off with? If nobody catches you, is that, is that where you got that from? I, I mean, they don't say it on the <laughs> intercom, but I'm just saying like in my experience as a, as a youth strolling the streets of Roy, I mean, there were hijinks, <laughs> not going to lie. Things went down in Roy that the cops didn't know about. And, um, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> what happens in Roy stays in Roy. I mean, yeah, that's that's what's up. Hijinks, right. that's what I'll say. Nothing terrible, but some hijinks, you know. Yeah. Um, folks, you heard the voice of the signpost's own Simon Mortensen there. Simon, how is it going, man? Um, now that you're past midway point, you know, you're getting into the meat of the schedule here. How you doing this semester? Yeah. Oh. I'm getting a little bit better. Like it's, the light is at the end of the tunnel. Um, like lately just with the assignments and everything started to feel a little snowy yesterday, both like physically and mentally. And yeah, but I mean, we got Weber state basketball coming back. So, I mean, that kind of helps with, you know, just staying in it and being able to push through. I'm like, I got my basketball. Back. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. Hoops. Hoops was back on Wednesday night in an yeah. exhibition against Adam state. And so we'll have to, Get the men's basketball show up and running soon. Same for women's basketball. So be watching for that, folks. But let's talk a little bit about football. Today is our football game day show. And we have an absolutely massive game in Ogden today. Uh, before we do, though, we are going to talk a little bit about last week's game against Montana. Going to give Coach Tom Stackeruck and Simon an opportunity to talk through kind of what they liked, what they didn't like, and their MVPs from that one. And then we will talk about today's matchup with number two, number three, depends on which poll you're paying attention to, Sacramento State. Um, Sac State has not lost a Big Sky game since the last time they played the Wildcats back in 2019. So they've got quite a streak going, and uh, they would love to get this dub over the Wildcats today. Um, but I think Coach Jay Hill and his staff are going to have something to say about that. So we'll talk through what makes Sacramento State so effective on the gridiron. Then we'll take our traditional fly around the sky. We'll talk about the other matchups around the conference because we're just three weeks left here in the conference schedule, but uh, there are still a few moving parts, a few question marks left up in the air. And so we'll talk about some of this week's games and the way that they might pan out and what they might mean for the next couple of weeks. Before we get into all that, please want to encourage everyone, subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Also, please rate us on those platforms, whether that's a five-star rating, a thumbs up, whatever it is. Uh, we'd really appreciate you taking a little bit of time. Give us the thumbs up. Give us the five stars there. 
helps other people to know that we exist and that we're good. Even if you don't think we're good, at least give us a few stars, man. That, that helps us out a little bit, uh, but not too low. You don't want to kill our, our ranking. Just kidding. We appreciate you folks taking that time. We're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then we always talk about our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly and become a patron. Help support Weaver State Weekly. Uh, I've got an intern starting here in about a week. And so uh, hopefully we're going to see an uptick in the amount of social media content. Really looking forward to him coming on and boosting that. And so that's part of our Patreon initiative to kind of help uh, cover the cost of some of those guys and, you know, just make it worth their while. So guys, let's talk a little bit now about last week. Let's talk about the game against the Grizz. Um, A really impressive win over Montana. I think that the score doesn't indicate how close the game really wasn't. Uh, you look at it and say 24-21. Oh, man, the Wildcats barely won. It's like, ah, did they? Because after they scored that that touchdown late in the fourth quarter, Hayden Meacham gets that good touchdown pass to go into the end zone. They were up 24-14, right? Is that how I had it? Yeah. So they're up 24-14 at that point. Like, the game is over with about three minutes left. It's It's not really in question at that point. So, guys, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about what you liked about this one. Coach Tom Stackrock, I wanted to start with you, man. Well, I mean, I liked a lot of things. Probably probably starting off with, with Coach Mantle, you know, as far as having a plan and sticking with the plan, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, like, for example, a guy goes to Wendover and has a plan has $50 in his pocket and things start going bad and not going good. And then all of a sudden the plans out the window and he can't even get into the buffet now, man. (laughs) I can't get nothing, man. But the thing that I liked is coach Mantle stuck to the idea that I am running the football. Yeah. I am. I am running the football on first down and the door was pretty well shut in that first quarter and he stuck with it and he stuck with it. And now all of a sudden those, First quarter, not getting a lot. Second quarter, a little bit more. But the fourth quarter, because you wore those guys out, and now now you're able to close out the game. So I thought that was really good that, you know, and I think him and Jay kind of on the same page of, hey, we got a heck of a defense. This is what I want us to do, you know, and they come together with a plan as as an offense and defensive coach. And, of course, the head coach, this is how I want to attack this game. Um you know, the great, the great Simon Morton said before he signed off last week, he said he would like to see some screens and maybe the screen again, set it up, set it up. And then we're going to slip the guy, slip the guy through. And then it's, it's a touchdown, right? So I thought offensive play calling and having a plan and sticking with it. I thought that was awesome. Um, you know, I think for today, Take a take a look and 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 watch how our guys tackle, man. I tell you what, they don't get when we tackle, there is no yards gained. And you start thinking about how many rushing attempts there are in a season. And if if you don't knock the pile back and say that pile f- goes an extra yard, that's an extra four or five hundred yards uh for the year, right? Because it moves forward. But man, we got some great tacklers out there. You know, never Man, I just noticed on Saturday, every tackle was like, that was it. There was no gain at all. And then then everyone else rallied around that. I thought the other thing um, that, I, that I really liked is something that we're not going to talk about. And that's the long snaps, you know, and, and hats off to that guy. Because what was he thinking on Sunday night and Monday? and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, you know, that was in his mind and to be able to come out on, on Saturday and perform like that, that that's pretty awesome. And probably my best, my favorite thing. And I made a comment probably two games into the season. And I said, you know what? The, the, the mark of a great offensive line is when everybody knows that you're going to run the football, you're down in the red zone or you're in a four minute offense and everybody knows what's going to happen and you're able to run the football. Well, so that, that was a huge thing. I thought the offensive play offensive line play was awesome. Um, Just another technique type thing that I did see on the first touchdown. So scheme wise, when it comes to blitzing, 
simple blitz, right? You just run a guy through a gap, A gap, B gap, whatever, right? Then the other part of a line stun is slanting off uh, the defensive line, right? So you slant the defensive line, and then you bring a blitz in behind it. So on that play, the first touchdown that we had, they were blitzing, but they were also slanting the line. So they were, they were made, they had line movement and they had a blitzer. And what happened is our offensive line walled it off. And then when they walled it off, there's a huge gap in there. Yeah. And then the running back got north and south and it was a touchdown. So, yeah. I mean, to pick up that blitz and the line movement and execute that perfectly and to get the touchdown off it was awesome and again i can't say enough i'm so um i'm excited for the old line because i think man they've gotten better and better ever since that utah tech game i think where they were i think we're we're on the on the five yard line and we couldn't punch it in right and they've evolved and they got so much better and this is a week where we're going to need them to play their best game yeah. I mean, good point, especially on the run game. I, I was most impressed with the way that the Wildcats were able to run the ball so effectively on a team that only gives up, uh, I think it's 103 yards per game on average on the ground. The Wildcats put up about 200 yards on the Grizz defense, which is just absolutely impressive. Like you said, coach, uh, that that Damon Bankston touchdown where he just had an absolutely massive hole. And once he got into that secondary, he was absolutely gone. Like they did not have the speed to keep up with him. He is so fast and he just put the afterburners on and that was it. Like there was no doubt that he was getting a touchdown and he just slipped right through. So I was really impressed with that as well. Simon, what about you, man? What'd you like from this game on Saturday against the Grizz? You know, that was one of my favorite things as well is I love seeing the run actually play out in this game. We were so concerned with seeing Patrick O'Connell and what he'd do in this, you know, pronounced defensive line that, that has just been killing it. Um, one of the things that I really did love about this game, though, is Justin Malone. And if you look at the stat sheet, you're looking at it and you're like, well, it was like, you know, 49 yards, 6.1 average. But the thing is, he got us a lot of tough corners on that one. He got us a lot of first downs, was converting a ton and was one of those weapons that they had to use because, I mean, you guys saw T-Mac that entire game. He made a great catch and everything like that, but I do was double covered every, every play. Like, yeah, absolutely. And they had Justin Ford on him, right? Who Justin Ford's a legit NFL prospect at cornerback. Uh, they're going to put their best guy on one of the best receivers in the conference. And um, that just left the, the door open for other folks like Hayden Meacham. And like you said, Justin Malone, especially. Yep, exactly. And I think that's one of those things that we see, like, you know, we're, we're down receivers still. Um, Jacob Sharp, once he comes back and I know they planned him coming back against Sac State. Um, and I think Josh Davis might be coming off IR for that. And we can talk about that later. Yep. Um, but I, yeah, I loved seeing that play, that play calling right there. Just this slower paced offense that was still pounding through that Grizz defense that we know is so tough and can stop a lot of great teams. So that was probably my favorite thing about it. So lots of good things in this one, but guys, I do want to take a little bit of time something you didn't like in this one coach we're going to go back to you for this i you know there's there's a there's some analytics out there about winning the middle half of the game so you're looking i'm not exactly sure where that starts but i think it's the last four minutes of the first half and the, and the first four minutes of the second half and i didn't like that we got down on that last series at the end of the half and we have like two consecutive penalties you know um, because we had that legal procedure where we had everyone run up to the line and then we got the first down. And I think we had, I mean, I think we had two or three. So, you know, I didn't like that part. And then we come out and we, we have the, the first possession and we do the same thing. We have two penalties, you know, so I didn't like that part. And the other part I didn't like is we got to field the punts. Got to find a way to field the punts because, you know, you look at that ball dribble, and that's, that's first downs, right? You don't catch it. How far is it going to go? Is it a first down that we just lost? Is it, you know, two first downs? You know, how far is that ball going to dribble? But typically when you don't catch it, I mean, you're losing, losing first down. So that, that, that was the thing, you know, and maybe, I don't know if, if Josh come back, if, if he's returned punts for us before or not. Um, but that's something, that's something we got to get better at. You know, I know Shanks, that's not his, you know, he's in there because Hadley's hurt. And, you know, now that he's getting some more reps and reps, 
you know, and, and, and I hope it's not a situation where he's gun shy because he, he lost that one up in Montana state, but that was kind of squirrely, right? Because it, it hit the ground, the wind's blowing a little bit, bad bounce, you know, you got to have a short memory, you know, you, you can't, you can't continue to kind of shy away from it. You got to go attack that thing. Right. So, because it's costing us first downs. Simon, what about you? Didn't like in this one. I think I go back to the special teams as well, the stack on this one a little bit. Um, but I go to this one a little bit more with just, and I realize that that touchdown, the end of the game, that's, you know, kind of a fluke. We've only had another one of those happen this year, just in Utah state. Um, but I do think we've given them great field position like a few times. Um, ours just makes things a little bit harder on the defense. I think like one of those things is if we can kind of just take that field position right there, and, and drop back a little bit because the hard thing with it is, I mean, like you look at Montana and what they were playing with and they still had some great pieces to their offense and they're not like a pass heavy team, but what if Lucas Johnson was in there on some of those field positions? That's a little tough, but like, that's a tougher, that's a tougher place to be. Um, and he wasn't, and, and we won't know like if that would have factored or mattered into anything. Um, but that was one of my things I think they got good field position on a couple of plays where they shouldn't have been able to, get past the 50 or get past even the 40. And so, yeah. Yeah. Good points all. I mean, like you said, Chris Brown is obviously uh, a different, um, he's a different kind of quarterback than Lucas Johnson would be. And so that obviously is a, is a different factor, but you play who's in front of you and the Wildcats ended up sacking him uh, five times in this game. So good defense. I felt like, you know, coach was talking about, the offensive line continuing to get better. I feel the same way about the defensive line. They've continued yeah, to get better. Bryant on this game because that was awesome. I, yep, <laughs> had two sacks yeah. himself by himself. Uh, just a coming out party for Stephen Bryant, who's a JUCO transfer. Um, great game from him. Yep. So, all right, guys, MVP from this one. Um, go ahead, give it to me. Who, who's the who's the player of the game? I'm, I'm going to go for me, the guy that we just talked about, Stephen Bryan, you yeah, know, he was big. and, and, and I'm, I mean, everyone's going to see the stat lines, right? Like the sacks and those type of things. But, you know, as soon as he had that first one, you know, I'm kind of watching him and there's a lot of times where he is not giving up that line of scrimmage and that ball carrier, that ball bounces a little bit, doesn't hit where it's supposed to, you know, that's never going to show up on a stat line because someone else is going to make the play, but just him being so stout in there and, and causing those, just causing havoc, man, you know, you, as a running back, you don't want to, you don't want to get the handoff and make a cut, right? You want to be on the line of scrimmage before you start to make a cut. But when you have a, when you're playing against a, a guy like Steven Bryant, all of a sudden he's making penetration and now you get the ball and it's like, I got the ball. I take one step and now I got to make a cut and yeah, I'm no not, momentum, right? yeah, no momentum and nothing's developed yet. No other blocks have developed. So, you know, that's good for him, man. You know, junior college kid coming into the program says a lot about our recruiting. You know, I was thinking, I don't want to switch gears too quick here, but, you know, I know, I don't, don't think the portal has been really good to us, but I think junior college has, you know, and maybe that's just, that's just our, our wheelhouse, just, uh, just, uh, that might be our niche. Right. But, you know, to see a kid like that come in and embrace the program and it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Simon, what about you? Man of the match? That was probably mine right there with Stephen Bryan as well. I loved Winston Reed's play. I think he got a lot of great tackles, was in on every play really well. Yeah. Um, as far as my favorite player of the game, that goes to Demon Bankston with that. What a way to put points on the board right there. <laughs> I, it was a big play yeah. for that moment, right? Where it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Especially after that field goal and then right there. Yeah. The field goal was a little disappointing. You know, it was a bummer. The Wildcats couldn't punch that turnover in for a touchdown. Um, but for me, if I'm picking a name we haven't said here today, Dante McMillan, he had a ton of work in this game. Um, did get did get a touchdown, I believe. I'll check check the stats real quick. But he just he just carried the load in a way that was really really incredible, and it just shows the depth that the Wildcats have at running back. So, Demond, uh, obviously, the Demond Banks and touchdown was big. Dante McMillan didn't have a touchdown, but he he ran for a hundred yards. That's total. Didn't lose a single yard. Hundred yards net, um, and his long was twenty three. 
So he just 4.3 yards of carry, just grinding it out. 23 attempts was the workhorse in this one and really kept moving the chains when the Wildcats needed it, man. So that'd be my guy. And we haven't talked a lot about him here. So, all right, guys, that's Montana. It was a great win. Uh, good, another good ranked win for the Wildcats, keeping them, you know, right in the middle of the top, especially with some other key losses throughout the FCS. I mean, we talked about it on Monday night, Chattanooga losing to Furman. That's big. Um, Holy Cross, you know, getting a, a very, very close overtime win against Fordham. Uh, there's just lots of things, lots of jockeying going around um, in the top 10 right now. And so let's turn our attention to today's top five matchup in Sacramento State at Weber State. Uh, Sac State, guys, like I said, number two team in the country, uh, depending on which poll you look at. And uh, there's a reason. And the reason is this, that uh, they lead the conference in the best scoring offense in the best scoring offense. That's 44 points a game. That's also third in the country, by the way. They have the second best rushing offense, of course. Montana State, we saw that front row. Uh, that's about 265 yards a game. That's also third in the country. And they've got the best overall offense at 498 yards a game in the conference, which is also third in the country. So with a rushing attack like this and a team that likes to move the ball, we'll talk about what they like to do on third down here really uh, in, in just a bit. How confident are you in the Wildcats' ability to slow down that run and force uh, the throwing quarterback, Jake Dunaway, because the, the Hornets run this two-quarterback system where one, Asher O'Hara is sort of this wildcat quarterback, but then you also have Jake Dunaway who's doing the throwing. How do you force him to go to the air a little bit more? Because Cameron Scadabo is there, and we'll talk about him in just a second, but he's an absolute monster. I think he's going to be offensive player of the, uh, in, of the year in the conference. How do you slow down that run and force Dunaway to throw? Because he'll make mistakes if you do. Coach, I want to go with you. I, you know, and I know I talked about this last week, but, I, you know, I think, again, it comes down to first down run. You know, what can we do scheme wise um, to get it to second and second and nine? Right. And to stop him from having that that first down success, because he is a he is a heck of a back. I mean, he's averaging like them. seven yards a carry, yeah. seven or eight yards. Yeah. It's just like an absolutely insane number. Yeah. So I think that's the key is that first down run. What, what can we do? Um, hopefully we come up with a scouting report where we can get a, you know, a pretty good handle of what they like to do first down and, and maybe we can find something out. You know, the one thing that's going to be kind of interesting, I don't know how much this is going to play out, but with their head coach spending so much time, spending a year at Utah, right? As the, the offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. How, how much does he know about the ins and outs of the Utah defense, which is basically the Weaver State defense, right? So totally. I wonder if there's a little chess match there, if he's picked up something or, you know, thought of when he was doing spring ball against that defense, some things that worked really well. And if there's any carryover to our defense, uh, you know, but uh, I think it's first down run. What can we do? What do we have to do? You know, do you load up the box, you know, and then put our guys on a, on an Island out there. But again, it's first down run. Yeah. And I think staying home is going to be really, really critical, right? Because the Wildcats got burned at Montana state because they had to choose and they're going to have to make that decision with Asher O'Hara because the Hornets are going to put him in. He's mostly a run threat, but obviously being a quarterback, he can throw the ball. He doesn't throw the ball a lot. I think he only averages like 40 yards a game through the air. So it's fairly minimal, but he can do it. So you have to respect it in some way. But I think that staying home and committing to keeping him in the backfield or keeping his gains to minimal will hopefully pay dividends in a way and that having to have edge against Tommy Mallott did not because Tommy right. the Wildcats, you know, wide receivers did a great job of blocking downfield for him. Um, Simon, what do you think? How do the Wildcats slow down this run offense that the Hornets have been so successful in executing? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think like um, one of the big things with Sac State is, you know, we've pointed out the obvious that Jake Dunaway, if, you know, if we pressure him, he will make mistakes. Um, you look at his stats and you look at um, he's number two in interceptions. Um, but the guy ahead of him has 17. He has nine. The guy ahead of him, though, is uh, Spencer Brash. 
and he's thrown uh, 2,473 yards, where Jake Dunway's thrown about 1,000 less. Yeah, all Cal Poly does is throw the ball. That's all they do. And so, yeah, like he's got 17 picks. Like that's what they do up there or down there. And so, but Dunaway is next and it's a very run heavy offense and still he's got nine picks. So exactly. And I think like, that's one of those things we have, we have that secondary that's going to force those mistakes. You know, they're going to take advantage of those mistakes. I have no, no doubt in our secondary. I think one of the big things that will come into play here is I think we'll see guys like Jack Kelly. And I think we'll see guys like Spencer Bryant as well, come up and make these huge plays that keep us around that second and 10 mark, that third and 10 mark that we need that coach stack is talking about um, because they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And I think like if we come in here and we do exactly what we did against Montana, as far as getting some sacks and being able to stop that, you know, quarterback momentum of maybe going to the run. Cause we saw it a few times with Montana. They were trying to go to that quarterback run a few times. They were trying to, you know, go up the side and sweep and sweep on it. And, um, just was able to stop it. I think Winston Reed is great at reading those as well. And I think that's going to play into that as well as just being able to stop Asher O'Hara from making those plays, being able to stay a little bit on our, on our heels there with those, you know, with the ability to make a trick play like that, because he does get treated a little bit like Taysom Hill does with the saints. And there's some times where, you know, something, something can happen and he'll be, he'll be a threat on third down. But I think, yeah, I think the big thing is just pressure. And I think we pressure him like we did in Montana and we have no problem. The other, the other part about the quarterback run, right. Is, is, as you look at coverage, right. So if we're in a man coverage, so if you're a man coverage, your, your, your corners are running with receivers, right? So their eyes are not looking back at the quarterback versus zone. If you get in a zone defense, where are your eyes? Everything. You're going to watch and see what he does, follow, follow his eyes and see where the yeah. quarterback's looking. Yeah. You're always on the quarterback. And so now, now it's easier to come downhill and tackle the quarterback. So there's, there's uh you got to kind of pick your poison there. If I go, man, and my corners are running and everyone's got their back to the quarterback, that could be a problem. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what, what we come up with. And, you know, if, if the fans are watching the game and you see a big, big run, take a look at the corners. Did the corners ever turn? Because they don't know, right. They're just running. They're just running with the receiver. So you can kind of, as a fan, you can kind of watch that and go, Oh, geez. Here, our, our 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 corners are running with the receivers and the quarterbacks out the door. So something that, something to watch. Yeah. Um, Want to talk a little bit more about this rush attack? So, like we said, led by sophomore running back Cameron Scadabo and senior quarterback Asher O'Hara. Scadabo leads the conference right now. He averages 123 yards a game. That's six best in the country, and also fifth in the country in all-purpose yards. He's got some hands. He does a pretty good job of catching. Doesn't catch, you know. I think he probably averages maybe forty yards uh, a, a game in reception. Obviously, running the ball is his greater his strength. Um, but he's second in the conference only in overall rushing yards to D- Davis is Alonzo Gilliam, who we've already seen this season is a, now in his senior season. Asher O'Hara is a run first quarterback. He averages seventy six yards on the ground, forty three yards through the air per game on average. So how do the Wildcats ensure that they don't repeat, like I said, what happened against Bozeman uh, or what happened in Bozeman a couple of weeks ago and get the result like they did against like Dante Sachere, where Dante Sachere we knew was a quarterback that wanted to run. He was Portland State's one trick pony and the Wildcats shut him down. It was not a question. He did absolutely nothing that day in Hillsborough. How do we get something that's closer to that and less something that is Tommy Malott ish, like we saw against Montana state. Cause I think it is absolutely critical to keeping the quarterback home. If they can do that, they've really got an opportunity. Play a little bit more zone, maybe, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we got good depth in the D line now because they're starting to play really well. Yeah. So you still, you know, now you have numbers, you know, and that's what happened to Montana against us, right? They just, you saw what happened in the last five minutes. They were just worn out. So if we can stay fresh, um, play some more zone defense, I think we do, like I talked about, I think we're a great tackling team. I mean, I watched that Montana game and man, we knocked that pile back and we rallied. We do a great job of rallying to the football. Um, so I think, I think those are some, some key things, you know, you know, maybe, uh, we need Brian to come back and, and, and have a second grade game, 
you know, another great performance that that could cause some problems. So, um, you know, those are some things that we can do. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Sac state is not awful at, um, at protecting the quarterback. There are far, far worse teams in the conference. They've only given up 10 sacks this season. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're getting done away. It's just absolutely getting demolished. But I think that there's opportunity there potentially because you're going to have to get at least some pressure on him and force him to make mistakes. It's clear, like you said earlier, Simon, that when he has a little bit of pressure, he will make those mistakes based on the interception numbers that you're seeing. Um, that doesn't always, you know, there are many factors we've seen with Bronson Barron this season that not every interception is created equally. Sometimes there are weird things that happen. We've, I can think of at least three instances this season where the interception goes to Barron, but it's not really Barron's fault. And I think he's only got, what, six so far this season. So it's just, I think that getting pressure on the quarterback is really, really key because it also contains Cameron Scadabo in the infield, deep in the backfield, hopefully, or keeps his gains minimal and Asher O'Hara. And if they struggle to move the ball on the ground, they'll be forced to go to the air. And that's exactly what the Wildcats want. Yeah. Scalvo, man, you watch him. Like I'm a football fan, right? Like I love all high school, NFL, CFL. I just love, you know, seeing great performances. And that guy is a heck of a player. He does yeah. not need a lot of space to do work. And when he sees space, man, he is shot out of a cannon. Like he can put his, he can put his foot in the ground and get going really fast, really soon. You know, it doesn't take very much for him. And he's, Hey, if you're just like a football fan and you want to see a good football player, I'd just come to the game to see him, man. Cause he is, I don't want to take any away for anything from him. He, he, he might be out of all the games I've watched the most exciting player I've seen play all year. I mean, he's just so explosive and he's just tough, physical, you know, I'm a fan, man. I'm not a Sac State fan, but he's a heck of a player. Yeah. Very, I'm very Utah State right there too. That Utah State game, Utah Tech, sorry. That Utah Tech game he played is a master class. I, I watched some of the highlights from that game. I wasn't able to catch like the entire thing, but I was able to see some of the clips and everything. Oh my gosh. He will like, you give him an inch and he'll, you know, he'll go right to the end zone every time. Um, and I think, yeah, he's a hard one to stop. I think like when you, when you're wondering like about, you know, being able to have a defense that's, able to stop that, you know, it's hard because Sac state is number one in first down conversions and third down conversions. Yep. And, and it's tough to tough to be able to defend that. So I think like one of the big things with him is um, like, we're probably going to have to use Desmond Williams a lot um, just where he's able to read that offense a little bit better or even from the back um, and be able to be able to stop that run. Because I guarantee you, you know, you could have one of the best defenses in the, in the, you know, conference like we do, we have a great defense, but he's going to break away for something. And, and that's for sure. And so um, just being able to have those, those secondaries right there, be able to limit them, that that's going to be huge in, in keeping that going. Yeah. 11 hats. Got to have 11 hats to the football, man. Even, even if you think he's made, he's, you've got him wrapped up. You got to be, even if you're 10 ways, 10 yards away and you're that defender, it's like, ah, we got to, no, you got to get there and you got to physically pound a guy like that, man. You got to, you got to take his will away. I mean, you really got to hammer him and hammer him and, and that ain't going to be easy because I can tell from watching him play, he's a tough dude. So it's not like you're going to hit him once in the first quarter. He goes, oh, I'm going to go back home. He is going to keep coming and coming and you got to keep coming and coming and coming and, and see where it's going to be at in the fourth quarter. Right. And you made a good point. Uh, the Sac State offense does lead the conference in third down conversions at 56%. That's third best in the country. But the Wildcats also lead the conference on the off the conference on the opposite side of that. They hold opponents to the lowest third point or third down conversion rate of twenty seven percent, also third best in the country. So we've got elite third down conversion offense versus elite third down conversion defense. Who wins out here? That was a good question. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I think like 
the hard the hard thing with um with these two coming in is you have Sac State who is explosive with you know everything that they do on offense. Everything they do is a highlight reel. You have that whole Asher O'Hara dynamic that's just like, and that's what makes third down and fourth down scary. Like, you know, we were talking last week about how Montana they struggle on fourth down, and we were able to see that play out very well, and that was fantastic. Um, but um, I think like the hard thing is Weber State does play really great you know, stopping your tracks defense. We saw that against UC Davis, um, especially at the end of that game, like they were the ones that won this, that game. And um, I think, I think Weber state has a mistake free third down defense that I think can lock down this, this um, Sac state offense. If anyone can do it, I think it's Weber. And um, I think we'll see it play out a little bit. I think if we can, if we can stop that, that that's going to be one of their points of struggle right there, especially, especially just being able to limit that unpredictability. Tom, what do you think? I mean, who, who wins out here in this battle? Because the way that SAC likes to convert those third downs is on the ground and that can be tough short yardage situations. Right. Well, if you're talking run, then I mean, it's like we've all, we just talked about, right. What we got to do to stop the run. If you're talking the pass game, right. Um, third down conversions, just take a look, just, just kind of take a look at that situation where we, we, uh, had the touchdown in uh, Montana off the screen action, right? So we're running the screen, we're running the screen. All of a sudden we fake the blocking of it and then we slip a guy out, right? So what happened there is the defender got caught peeking, put his eyes in the wrong place and then it's done, right? So if you're asking me from a passing standpoint, who's going to win the game, it's going to come down to execution, right? So what is Weber's state going to stay true to what their scouting reports say? Are they going to stay too, true to their rules that they've been taught? Are they going to keep their eyes in the right spot? Are they going to be disciplined? Then they'll win that battle, right? And then you can flip it on to the, to the receiver side of uh, Sac State. Are they going to do what they're supposed to do all the time? And who's going to out execute each other? And that's what it's going to come down. It's going to come down to one guy just just hesitating for one second and not doing the right thing. And it's either going to be an interception or it's going to be a touchdown the other way or something. Right. So I just think it's going to be focus and you know, how well can you execute of what you've been caught uh, coached all week? How well can you follow the scouting report? And that that's going to be the difference on either side, offense or defense It's going to come down to one little detail where someone on defense got caught peeking inside or maybe a receiver cut his route short, something, right? It's going to be a little thing like that that's going to make the difference in that battle at the end of the game. I think Brett Hine noted on Twitter, uh, Brett Hine beat reporter, or beat writer for Weber State for the Dawn, the Twitter uh, earlier in the week that there are a number of computers that simulate the game, figure out what the spread, you know, blah, blah, blah a few computers said that this one would be a point or less. So this is very, very close game on either side of the ball, very evenly matched strength to strength. So a lot of questions there, but let's talk a little bit now guys about this Sac state defense. We've talked a lot about their offense and what they're about, but let's turn, turn the, the page now and talk a bit about the defense. The Achilles heel of the Sac state defense is their secondary. They are 10th out of 12 schools in the big sky conference in pass defense. They're also 11th in the conference in sacks for just, they have 10 all year. That's all they got 10. Will you, will we need to see an above average day from Bronson Barron or will balance continue to be the order of the day? What do you think, Simon? You know, I think that's a good question. I think like one of the things that's going to be nice is we've put a lot of pressure and, and, and strain on Bronson Barron without Josh Davis and without Jacob Sharp. Chris, Jack, Chris Jackson has done a great job filling in that role for Josh Davis, but it is always great to have that fourth weapon in there um, and be able to have that. And then Jacob Sharp, you know, we, we've definitely missed that talent, you know. Um, My understanding is that both will be back today. Yep, that's correct. And so I think like that's going to be one of the big things that we look at is I think, you know, we don't have to 
I think whenever you're playing a team like Sac State, you know, you're always going to have to have an above average game for Bronson Barron for anybody on that team. Um, but I think, I think that's going to be one of the big things that I'm excited about is he's got a little bit more help in this one. Um, I don't think that, I, I think it'd be a lot harder if we weren't having those two players in there. Um, I, I think it'd be considerably, uh, considerably more strain on him. And so that's what I'm excited about seeing is I think once we give him that second op, you know, that other option, um, because they can't defend T-Mac, you know, with two people the entire time, they're going to find out that Jacob Sharp's going to run that slant route that gets him into the end zone. And, and then you're, you know, you're done. Um, and so I think he's going to play smart football. I think he's going to play good football and um, I'm, I'm excited to see it with, with the extra talent that we have coming back. Yeah. Shout out to your boss, uh, sports editor at the signpost, Emily Miller, who was the one that reported on those two returning this week. Um, but coach, what do you think about this? Uh, because of the weakness of the Sac State secondary, do you think that we see a bump in Bronson Barron's passing numbers because of that? Because they know it's a particular weakness that they can take advantage of? Or does Coach Mental continue to stick with balance, which he's done all season and it has served him well? Yeah, you know, I think he will stick with balance. But I also think, too, is... You know, I look at Bronson and I look at that Montana State game in that last drive. I mean, we had two fourth down conversions. We had some big plays and, you know, I don't want to hash out anything, but, you know, we had some drops too. Right. So I look at that game and and I I have no problem with Bronson throwing it around the yard. I think he is so much improved from what he was last year. I think um, it's coaching. I think it's he's healthy now. And I could see, I could see coach unleashing him. I think he's, I think he's talented enough that, that he could, he could be the difference maker. And this, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, how the Weaver state old line took over that game offensively and won the game for us. We could be talking about the same thing next week with Bronson doing the same thing. Cause he's very, very capable of it. Um, we got some guys that, that can catch and run with the football. We got, we got some, we're getting some tight end play, you know, um, sharp will be back. Right. So some things like that, you know, so it'd be, it'd be interesting. I just think, I think, uh, everyone on offense is capable of winning a game for us. Quarterbacks, receivers, O-line tight ends. Right. And I think that gives coach coach a lot of, um, a lot of things to play around with and put him in the best situation. You know, so I don't think he's sitting there going, well, the sack, the sack secondary is really bad, but we're not really good either. I don't think he's saying that at all. I think he's saying, hey, man, I seen what Bronson did up in Montana State. He can sling it when we need him to sling it. And that might be might be something he wants to do. Uh, good point about the play of the offensive line because Sac State's run defense is actually just ahead of Weber State's in the conference at number two. They give up an average of 111 yards a game on the ground. But the caveat there is that the Wildcats put up 192 rushing yards on the Grizz defense that has only allowed 103 yards on average per game. So they doubled up the Grizz, uh, which has been an absolutely phenomenal run defense. So how do you do you expect to see a similar rushing defense breakdown by the Hornets that they know just how to scheme to get guys open in space because it worked against the Grizz and I fully expected the Wildcats to pass slightly more in that game because there wouldn't be as many opportunities to run the ball. But like like Tom said earlier in the show. Just keep trying it. Just keep trying it. Eventually, those those guys get worn down. You get the right scheme. You If you scheme it just right, there will be opportunities to get guys out in space and they can run the ball effectively and move the chains. Simon, how do you see it? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think like, I think, you know, you, you'd have to, you know, use that same mentality coming into Sac State a little bit that you were against Montana and have to use Dante McMillan kind of like you did before. Um, I think McMillan did a fantastic job of breaking down that defensive line, as you stated before. Like yeah, It was the workhorse in that game. Right? Like, he had 100 yards, and he's averaging 4.3 yards a carry, which is like, you know, basically – you know, just a little bit closer to that first down, like Coach Stack was saying, you know, last week and, and, and a point that he um, brings up a lot is um, 
once you're able to make that second and five, once you're able to make that, you know, something like that, the game changes, that possession changes a little bit. And so he's going to be up a little bit for you. Right. Exactly. And so I think he's going to be critical in getting, you know, just being able to pound through that line. I think Josh Davis coming back is great for that because Josh Davis is fantastic at piling through those lines as well. Um, and then Dante McMillan and um, Demond Bankston, you know, I think we don't look at him as the power runner that we look at McMillan and Davis as, but he's explosive. And I think, you know, you're, you're going to see some of those, you know, just surprise plays that he just, comes out of nowhere and gets 20 yards. Um, and so I think you, you rely on the run offense a little bit more and are able to kind of push through that, push through that defense. And I, I'm excited to see what McMillan and Davis will come up with tomorrow, especially. So, you know, the other thing about, you know, stopping their run game, it's hard to run the football when Weaver state has the football. So if you, sure can control time, if you can control the time of possession and run that thing and get into several uh, drives, you know, 10, 10, 10 play drives, 12 play drives, that's a pretty good way to contain that. So maybe that's part of the, you know, because we talked about Bronson and attacking their secondary, but maybe the other part of, hey, let's get this run game going. We're playing good up front. Let's just keep the ball away from away from him and don't let them get on rhythm running the football, you know? So this could be more of the battle of the, you know, the run games, you know, who's, who's going to have success doing that. And why not use Justin Malone again? Like yeah, get in for that extra punch right there because you're on third and five and you have Justin Malone, you've got an opportunity right there and you're, you're probably going to convert. So, Yeah. Yeah, he had a great game too. He 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 was, you know, did a great job. Uh, last one on this segment, guys. I need to talk a little bit about Sacks defense um, and junior linebacker Armand Armand Bailey. Uh, he's third in the conference right now in tackles for loss, third in the conference in sacks, and he's eighth in forced fumbles. If you look through the stats, this is Sack's guy on defense. Uh, he's a linebacker, so he's he's the guy coming in, filling gaps. He's shooting, you know, getting into the backfield, creating problems, getting those TFLs. Uh, I would think of him kind of as that Troy Anderson, you know, that, uh, that the kind of guy who you know Connor Mortensen kind of player who the Wildcats had last year. Where he's a guy who's going to get in there, he's going to tackle, and he's going to create problems for you. It seems like looking through the stats, this is a guy that if you can contain him or minimize his impact on the game, the defense and make somebody else beat you, the defense is going to have to step up. Somebody else is going to have to step up. So how do the Wildcats plug holes in the line to make sure that Bailey is limited uh, so that they can work and do this that they plan and want to do? Because it's clear that he's impactful. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that I'll, that I'll give credit to uh, the Sacramento's defense is you go back and watch them when they played Montana. That time of possession and the amount of plays that the SAC defense had, I think they played like 90 plus snaps compared to Montana, you know, defense. So um, that tells me they've got a lot of will. They've got a lot of toughness, resiliency, you know, very similar to our defense, right? And so, you know, I, I, I got to give them credit for that because that's hard, you know, because it's a lot of time on the field. A lot of time on the field, and Montana was kind of like in that game. Like that's that's a tight game, and Sack doesn't get a couple calls. You know, no, who knows what we're talking about? You know, so yeah. that that's the first opinion or, or thoughts I have about that sack defense. As far as an individual guy, I mean, you just can't let him get going, right? You can't, if you got a chance to put your face on him as an offensive lineman, you got to do that and you got to be physical with him, you know, and how many times can you get him to scrape himself off the ground? Because that, that wears you out, right? You know, if he's running around unblocked, making plays, you know, he's going to have, he's going to continue to make plays, but if you pound those guys, then it slows them down a little bit, you know? I think that's what we've seen is, um, you know, Stacks brought it up. This offensive line has improved greatly since 
you know, the start of the season and, and up to this point. Um, and I think we've also faced, you know, facing Patrick O'Connell, facing Sebastian Valdez, you know, being able to come into this game um, with Armand Bailey against him. You know, I think Andy Thompson has actually put together a great defense for his program um, and is a linebacker oriented coach. Um, and so that's going to be one of those things that um, I think, I think we just have to rely on past experience and being able to, I think this defense, this offensive line adjust really well is able to fill those holes that they see happening because we were getting a couple hits on the quarterback every now and then, um, but they corrected very quick. And so I think this offensive line is adaptive and I'm excited to see what they can do against someone like Armin Bailey. Well, a big matchup, like we said today, folks, number two coming to face uh, number, what are we number five, six, something like, I think we're number five right now. depends on which poll you look at, of course. Um, but Big one, the, the Sacramento State Hornets have not lost since 2019, and that was to the hands of the Weaver State Wildcats in Sacramento that year. So Troy Taylor has lost all of one Big Sky Conference game, and it was to the Wildcats. So can Coach Jay Hill repeat his feat in 2022? We'll find out today. And now, guys, let's take a look, uh, fly, fly around the sky quickly. Uh, nobody's on a bye. I think everybody's moved through their bye week, so it should be matchups for the rest of the season now. First one up on the docket, Eastern Washington at Idaho, who's coming off of that loss to Sacramento State in Sacramento last season. Eastern, stunning loss to Portland State last weekend. They were down big. They came back, ended up losing by three, but just an embarrassing loss at home. Guys, Eastern or Idaho? Put a fork in Eastern. They're done. They're done. It's over. They're done. Chicken dinner, man. It's over. <laughs> I think I go with Idaho on this one too. I think, especially with what Idaho did last week, I mean, last week's performance was not a losing performance normally. Like, you know, they played a tough game against Sac State. And I think, yeah, I, I give Idaho, I give Idaho this one as well. Yeah. They showed some cracks in Sac State's armor. Sac State actually had to come back late in the fourth quarter. Idaho was ahead, a late touchdown drive led by Asher O'Hara, which if you saw the conference's highlights, that was one where he makes this diving run into the end zone to win the game for the Hornets to come from behind to pull out the victory. Uh, Idaho really rolling right now. So I'm with you guys. I'm going to take Idaho. Uh, next up, Montate taking the trip up to Flagstaff to take on Northern Arizona. Montana State fresh off of their bye week and also having beat the Wildcats the week before in Bozeman. NAU has not been very good, guys. They've really slumped since their non-conference schedule, beating Sam Houston and taking North Dakota to the wire. How are you feeling about this one? I got my Montana State all the way. There's no... I don't see them... Yeah, I don't see them losing a game until that Montana game, and I don't even know if they'll lose that one. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm the same way, man. Even even as one dimensional as Montana State is, and I, people are probably going, well, "How can you say that when they beat Weber State?" But that quarterback's—that's all they need to beat NAU. Just him alone can beat the NAU. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too is that NAU is—they're eighth in the conference in, in run defense. We saw that run defense up close and personal. It's tough, but NAU themselves is dead last in the conference in running the ball. So that means they'll probably have to pass the ball, but their passing offense isn't that great. They are fifth in the conference because it's what they do. But on the reverse, their passing defense is also just middling. They're eighth in the conference. So their strengths and weaknesses just don't line up well with the Bobcats. And I agree with you, Simon. If the if the Bobcats are going to lose a game, it's probably going to be Brawl of the Wild if it happens. And if they don't, they're conference champions and they'll be a number two or a number one seed in the country. Next up, we have Northern Colorado at Portland State. I'm gonna call this. I'm gonna call this the irrelevant bowl. Yeah, <laughs> guys, Scott. Dude, Portland State just came off a good one last week. I'm gonna give this one to Portland State, right? <laughs> okay, he's going PSU. I understand. I'm torn. Tom, what are we thinking? I'm going Vikings, man. Roll that. Is that what they do? The row the boat, or is that not? That might be Minnesota. Yeah, that's Minnesota's thing. Vikings got to do something, though. What do they do? DJ Kill Flag. people? I don't know. I think Vikings Village. got boats, don't they? They got boats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Roll the boat, Vikings. Onward. 
Um, yeah, I, I think that's their thing when they play at home. Protect the ship. Um, well, they got that horn. They got that horn that blows. I think, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, I'm so Hasn't torn. Been blowing too much, though. No, to Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado has been plucky, uh, which is weird to say. Like, but they they just are so terrible. Um, I don't. I'm gonna go Portland State as well. Whatever. I don't care. Like I said, the irrelevant bowl. I don't really care about this game. Neither, neither of these teams is gonna make the playoffs. It doesn't matter where they end up. Whatever. Next up, Idaho State at Davis. Uh, found out some interesting information today. Apparently, I was asking the archives if they have a, a if. The Wildcats have ever been involved in any of these trophy games, you know, about the little Brown Stein between Idaho and Montana. Uh, apparently coach Jason Eck found a random trophy between Idaho and Eastern this last week. Uh, they found it. And so he asked, should we bring it back? I guess they call it the governor's cup. So I emailed and asked the archives like, Hey, does Weber state have any of those? In fact, they do. They had one back in the sixties and into the seventies with Idaho state. There's a train horn in the archives or a train bell, sorry, it's a bell, in the archives that uh, was exchanged between the two schools for about 11 years, and uh, the Wildcats were the last to win it. So it's been sitting in our archives for that long, and I don't know, maybe they'll bring it back, but stripes against the Aggies, what are you guys taking? Uh, you see Davis on this one. <laughs> yeah, Davis has been surging, right? They've been playing better. They've been beating <laughs> bottom feeders, but, you know, they've been surging. Yep. <laughs> I'm always going to go with a farm school, man. That's just okay. Go with the ags. There it is. Yeah. Um, next one up Cal Poly at Montana, Montana, you know, now a three, three game loss, three game losing streak. Um, this game will be in Missoula. I feel bad for Cal Poly. I'm going to be honest. A lot of rage against them at home. What do you guys think? This is Montana all the way as well. I, I mean, we talk about one-dimensional teams. That is Cal Poly. Cal Poly is. Yep, that's what they do. They just pass the ball. That's all they can do. And so, yeah, I got Montana. I got Montana in this game. It's no question. Tom, Montana. You know what's interesting about Montana, though, man? Because I got a couple of buddies that live up there. There's not a lot of Bobby Hawk fans anymore. It's kind of crazy, man. They just turned on him fast. Three games. It's just like, wow. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I've i learned a lot about Hauk this season. Apparently, students who play for Hauk are not allowed on social media in certain ways. They have very, very strict rules about how they engage with the media up there and how they interact with fans and all that stuff. And so Hauk's got kind of his own little thing, and it's been rough. And in recent days, and if Hauk should lose the brawl of the wild in Bozeman, when he gets back to Missoula, folks are going to be mad. I don't necessarily think he's going to lose his job, but people are going to be mad and they're going to demand more. And so we'll see what that means. They brought in a lot of transfers this season. I am on the record saying, I don't think the transfers really work. Transfers down have really paid that many dividends in the big sky conference. That seems like the teams that develop are the teams that stay on top. So, uh, yeah, last thing about I was thinking about that the other day. I mean, it's just sometimes when you see those kids from a big school, you go, oh, he's played at this big school. But the reality is he's not playing. Mm -hmm. That's why he's in the portal. <laughs> so you got to look at it the right way. Yeah, there was a there was a player that transferred here uh, last season. And I was talking to a guy about this. Like, oh, this guy transferred in from this big school, you know. And I said, it's great. And, and he, he asked a really good question. He said, why ain't he there? Good question. Why ain't he there? Why ain't he playing at that big school? There are hey, reasons. Hey, I'll give you an example. This is before the portal, right? So we're out there. This is when I was Coach Mack. And we get this quarterback transfer from Alabama. Okay. And this and this is like, hey, this kid is like 6'4", 225. And he's in summer workouts and he is slinging that ball around. And I'm... I'm going, hey, we're going to win some games this year, man. We're going to win some games. Then we played some small school to start off with, and then we went up to Boise to play. He could not throw the ball. He was just so bad. And then we started Cameron Higgins the next week, and the rest good, is history. Good choice. Yeah, good choice with Cam Higgins. The rest is history. Yeah. yeah. So just that was an Alabama transfer, too. 
yeah. a scholarship guy too, not just, you know, so you just, it's interesting. All right, guys, final one of the week. Sac state takes on Weber state at Stewart stadium. Big one. Like we said, it's there. The computer say it's going to be a close one. Who you got? I'm flying the W this week. We got Weber. Oh yeah, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, is this throwback uniform game or no? It is mean, throwback. Yeah. There we go. Yes. So yeah. the athletic department heard everybody when they wore the white helmets up in Bozeman a couple of weeks ago. Everyone said, man, those white helmets would be really cool if you put the go W on them. And that's exactly what they did. They put the Go W on the white lids and they're going to have purple jerseys and my understanding is white pants. But here's the thing. Sac State showed their their uh, fit for today's game as well. They're wearing all white. So this is going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, like the exact opposite of color rush. That's what this game is. <laughs> Man, if we could go, if we could go back in time, because I remember when we got away from the flying W, we call it the flying W, the old guys, right? And I, I could just remember when they phased that out, how mad the coaches were, and it was a big, big deal in the athletic department. And now it's come full circle, like it's the coolest thing ever. It's just kind of amazing. That's another story for another day. Yeah. Go W is, I think, so beloved because it's unique to Weber State. It is ours. It is yeah. nobody else's. We're not stealing this from anybody else. This was created by Bob Hunter. It was our guy. He made it. It's ours. Mm -hmm. And it's distinct. So. Yeah, exactly. So look at the upcoming schedule, guys. Like we said today, hey, Saturday, hey, November whoa. 5th. You didn't ask me for my pick, man. Oh, I, I thought it was clear. You said Weber. I mean, did you take Weber? No, we're talking about the dub. Oh. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with Weber. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell you, okay. I'll tell you what. Seriously, as the more I think about it, I'm not just saying because I'm a Weber guy. But the thing is, is when you look at our team, and I'm not talking all conference guys, right? I'm not talking about that. But what group on our team is a group that you would say, wow, we would, if, if I had a chance, I would trade this group for another group from another team. Good quarterback, good old line, good tight ends, good D line, good linebackers, good secondary. Like there's not a, there's not a unit on our team that I would say, Oh, I wish we had that unit, you know, or yeah. I wish we, we could swap and we would be the greatest. Right. Anybody yeah. in the big sky, I would take, unit to unit. I, I just think, I just think we're a complete team. I really and I've do. Heard people say that they feel like the Wildcats are the most complete team because Sac State does put up a lot of points, but they've also let other teams put up a lot of points on them. They're not as balanced in that way. So we'll find out today, but today's game Saturday, November 5th versus Sac State, 1 PM mountain standard time. You get your tickets at WeberStateSports.com. You can watch it on ESPN plus like I will, if you're out of market, uh, we'll also be on K jazz, Tony parks on the mic for this one. So looking forward to that. Love Tony. It's a great job. He's always well-researched, does an incredible job preparing for the games and he tells good stories. Um, but also if the, if the game's at 1 PM, that means tailgating starting at least by 11 o'clock. So get up there, get tailgating, Enjoy the enjoy the uh, the time, folks, because we're we're winding down now in the season. There are only so many home games left. At least one more against Idaho State. Then we will see what happens. Uh, and that's the the following game, Saturday, November twelfth, versus Idaho State. The Stripes are coming to Ogden, one p.m. Mountain Standard Time, just like this one. Tickets at WeberStateSports.com or KJazz or ESPN. You can also listen to both games on one hundred three one The Wave. You can listen to all games on one hundred three one The Wave. Uh, and listen to the dulcet tones of Steve Klauke, who's just incredible. That's what I did last week because the guys on the ESPN broadcast were Montana guys. And they were so annoying, dude. <laughs> I just, I turned on Steve Klauke because I was like, I'm not dealing with this, man. These guys are just, they're the worst. So uh, then Wildcats uh, hit the road for the final game of the season. They're going to take the trip up to Flagstaff to play Northern Arizona in the walk-up Sky Dome, which apparently has a new name this year. Apparently got a sponsor. But to me, it's always the walk-up Sky Dome. 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time there, ESPN Plus or 103.1 The Wave. And uh, I, I would encourage folks to take a trip for that game. I'm, I'm still watching flights from Nashville to Phoenix to see if I can get to that game because I really want to go up there. I really think it's going to be a lot of fun. And so if you're thinking, I know quite a few Weber State folks are thinking of traveling to that game too. So if you are, let us know in the, uh, in the 
the Weber State fans Facebook group, if that's the thing you do, or let us know on Twitter if you're going. We'd love to get a group of folks together and just kind of start to travel, you know, like get a get a traveling contingency of fans the way that other schools in the Big Sky do. It feels like folks are really starting to warm up to that in the conference, or at least at Weber State. And then finally, guys, Sunday, November 20th will be the FCS playoff selection show. That'd be at 10.30 a.m. on ESPNU. Uh, we'll see what happens, but the Wildcats look to have a spot in the playoffs. A uh, couple of things need to shake out. I think that the last the last question mark of the season is this this one today. After that, things should, unless something weird happens, the Wildcats should be where they're going to be. Um, email us, WeberStateWeekly, gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and WeberStateWeekly.com. Coach Tom Sackrick, want to thank you for hanging out with us today. The signpost zone, Simon Mortensen, thank you as well. We'll wrap it up like we always do, guys. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. Wildcats.